Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm the Bill Arnold part of that sentence. I love what's coming up this hour. I want to say thanks to uh, Patrick Albanese and David Miles for Hour One. This is going to be a wonderful hour with Dr. Heather Holloman. She is a riot. She is a uh, professor at Penn State. She teaches composition and advanced writing. She's received numerous awards for excellence in teaching and mentorship during her career. Her books are wonderful. Uh, she's written a book called Seated with Christ, Guarded by Christ, and Sent, um, Living a Life that Invites Others to Jesus. She has this knack for helping you start conversations and engage people uh, to talk about faith, and she's got quite a gift, and we're going to spend the whole hour chatting with her, and I think she's on the line right now. Heather, welcome. Thank you for having me back. I uh, love being on your program, Bill. It's so fun. You're awesome. and I, I just, You're so fun. Well, you know, <laughs> you're playful, and I like that. It's it makes for really fun radio, and you, you have you do things a little differently, and I appreciate that as well. Well, I'm glad. I hope different is good. I, I, hope, diff- I hope you. That's I hope that's a compliment. I think different I is wonderful. Yeah, I was I was just reading uh, your the origins of your blog, and I think it's great that most wonderful things start with some kind of organic origin. Uh, it's so interesting how you were uh, kind of deciding to try to write and you were in your kitchen and you were uh, just decided you had a friend over that were going to teach you the Michael Jackson dance moves and all of a sudden you were just living with flair. <laughs> it's a right. great story. I love that. Well, I have been blogging every day for 10 years. That's what I mean. For listeners to I know. Well, it's such a joyful practice. There's so much research about writing and its connection to well-being. So my students love that I blog every day. I tell them the benefits of daily writing. But that blog is really about finding a joyful moment every day or, or something meaningful that happened during the day. And so it gives me a lot to talk about with people. I highly recommend daily reflection time. Now, for some people, it would just be writing in their journal, right? Right. The reason why I like blogging is because I love letting people overhear what I'm thinking in case it's going to bless them. <laughs> Plus, I'm an extrovert. It's a way I connect with imaginary people all day long. Yeah. Um, I I love that. And it's uh, it, it's an encouragement, I, I know, for many because there are some people that think I, I should write, I should express myself. And I just want to say, you know, you, you could be a huge blessing to people by listening to your uh, what God might be calling you to do. Sit down and write. Yeah. Put it out there. Yeah. Yes, so, what a challenge. Yes. Yeah, so That's right. I, I want to talk a little bit today about what some of the connections uh, and some of the strategies you have during this incredibly different and weird year for connecting. Well, it has been really challenging, but also easier than I ever thought it would be because people are so lonely and isolated and hungry for meaningful connection. And if you could train yourself, any of us, in just very simple questions to enter well into the lives of people, you're going to find the most fruitful 
the most beautiful, natural conversations to talk about Jesus, even just asking people, you know, what's been your biggest stressor, kind of like what you just asked me, what are, you know, what have been some of the challenges? And then being able to share, you know, this is what God has done in my life through COVID. Can I share that with you? And people get so excited to just talk about that. So one of the blessings of COVID has been the openness of people to talk about what really matters, because there's a lot of negative emotion, fear, Mm -hmm. despair, loneliness. So I'm always able to talk to people about what God's teaching me in the Bible to manage my overwhelming emotions. Um, We've had to be really creative. We've, We've launched a neighborhood Facebook group where we just connect on Facebook just with our street, you know, during social isolation, because we're in Pennsylvania where we're an active breakout because of Penn State. Most days nobody goes anywhere or socializes. So we've had to do a lot online and do a lot of socially distant walks out in nature. So those are the challenges, but it's intentional. Whenever you're going to spend time with people, it's really intentional. So I love just asking people really simple questions like, how are you taking care of yourself during COVID? And Bill, that opens up so, so many conversations, even with my students. They'll say, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And then they'll say, Dr. H, how are you taking care of yourself? And um, I'll never forget, I said, well, I'm doing all these cool morning rituals in my spiritual life. You know, I talk about reading my Bible every day and my gratitude journal. And they'll say, what is that? You know, and I'll get to talk or I'll talk about my prayer journal. They'll say, what is that? I've shared more about with everyone, Psalm 5-3, where David says, in the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you, and I wait in expectation. Don't you love that? I do. I love that. I love that. So I tell students, and I tell everyone around, I'm just like, look, I take that very seriously. I've been laying my stresses down before the Lord every day. And my atheist neighbors and friends, they'll they'll say, you know, I'm not a Christian, but could you please put me on that prayer journal? Here are my (laughs) prayer requests. And could you let me know what God says? I'll get back to you at the end of the day. So it's been easy. I mean, here uh, here are two other ones, by the way, if people are listening and they're like, wow, I got to get my notepad out because this is going to be great training. I'll tell you, I love the question, what what are you learning? Just what are you learning? We're cognitive people. Our people like to talk about what they're learning. Right. And just saying, like, tell me what you're learning. And that way, when people say, you know, what are you learning? I love being able to say, well, I'm really learning more about my faith. I'm learning about how to, how to trust in Jesus when I'm scared. You know, it just opens up so many spiritual conversations, which is the passion of my heart from my book, Sent, about about really introducing people to Jesus in natural, authentic conversation. I mean, the communication rules have certainly changed. And I was looking for this when we were talking about your blog, and I just found it. So I do want to read this little short paragraph. Because you say, along the way, I realized that the flair challenge, and that's like living life with some flair, was a mm-hmm. choice to find happiness, beauty, and spirituality every single day, no matter how bored, how exhausted, how sick, how moody, how negative, how angry, how jealous, or how entitled I wanted to be, I could change that reality with a turn of the kaleidoscope. I could choose to see the day differently. I could seek out that one morsel to make the day great, and I would do it every single day. That struck me, uh, Heather, because I thought of that kaleidoscope when I used to look at it in a kid and you'd go, you just turn it a little bit and the picture changes. 
And what a great image that is for when I'm feeling negative, moody, angry, jealous, entitled. <laughs> you just crushed no, it with that. that's right. Mm-hmm. No, oh, well, thank you. I mean, for if you're interested in, you know, the real story behind that, you know, my many people know if they've read my book, but it was really because I was battling so much depression and anxiety. And blogging every day was a day to, it was kind of like what Jeremiah does in Lamentations 3 when it says your mercies are new every morning. You know, he was really depressed. Mm-hmm. And I'm someone who's very honest about my battle with depression and anxiety. And Waking up every day and saying, God, your word says to give thanks in all circumstances. You display your love. Uh, You know, I'd be like, I'm depressed. I hate everything. (laughs) Like, I don't want to do this day. And I'd say, look, there's going to be something good here. There's everything contains a hidden blessing from God. So it was a daily choice. And after about five years, I know that sounds overwhelming if you're like, wow, five years of blogging every day. It became a natural um, mindset. It became something that I did naturally every day. And, um, it w- it's been a marvelous thing in my life to kind of heal my brain. And, you know, there's been a lot of research about gratitude and people who who move into the positivity because they trust the sovereignty of God. They're able to really shift their circumstances. I mean, our family motto is every rejection is God's protection. Oh, I like because, that. <laughs> I know. Write it down. Every Say rejection it again. Is God's every protection. rejection. Every rejection is God's protection because I was teaching my girls that God is good and he's sovereign and he sees what we don't see. Mm-hmm. And over the years, now that they're teen, you know, now they're older, one's in college, but now we've been able to see um, in the past that has a hundred percent been true. God's either saved us from something. He's, you know, put us in a new situation. We kind of, I love family mottos. I love rhyming. And another one of my favorite ones is every delay is God's way. I know that's bad. That's not quite a good line. No, I like that too. But I love it because whenever I'm delayed anywhere, because I love evangelism so much, sometimes I'll turn to my girls and I'll say, you know what? I think we're stuck here in this line because I'm supposed to bless these people around me. So I'm going to start talking to people. (laughs) Or, you know, if you're stuck somewhere, God has a reason for that delay. Mm -hmm. He knows why he's laying. So I do, I really believe in, um, the command to give thanks in all circumstances and to rejoice. And it's been a choice to do that, which isn't to say you can't also grieve and be sad and lament, but at the same time, you acknowledge the goodness of God and his care for you, even when things are really hard. So that's been my 10 year journey on the blog. Every single post is archived there. If you're bored one day. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> Heather, I, I've said many times to God, I, I would say, God, you have information about my life that I don't have, right? <laughs> That's, That's sometimes good. how I start that a prayer. Um, but I want to take Ooh. a little break. But when we come back, I want you to talk about your struggle with jealousy. I thought that was a very interesting uh, issue for you. And I know by sharing it, you will uh, bless many others. So uh, Dr. Heather Holloman is my guest. We'll take a little break. If you have a question or a comment you'd like to make, please do. You can text me at 877 2484. Maybe you heard Heather say something you'd like clarified or repeated. Let me know what it is because we're here uh, for the whole hour with Heather. Looking forward to more. Be back in just a minute.
Dr. Heather Holloman is my guest. She's written a number of books. One is called Sent, Living a Life That Invites Others to Jesus, Chosen for Christ, Stepping into the Life You've Been Missing, and Guarded by Christ, Knowing the God Who Rescues and Keeps Us, and Seated with Christ, Living Freely in a Culture of Comparison. I think that's the book that you talked about, the jealousy issue. Am I right, Heather? Yes. Yeah. And wasn't I on your program years ago when that came out, like in 2015? Yes, Didn't we? you. Yes, you were. I loved that interview. You are the best, Bill. That oh, was you're embarrassing me. Interview. You're embarrassing me. Continue. Well, no. <laughs> you just have really good questions. You're, you're amazing because you get right to the heart of what everyone oh, really thanks. wants to know. Thanks. You do not beat around the bush. Thanks. So let's get to the jealousy issue. Yes, the jealousy <laughs> issue. What's your question? <laughs> well, the question was, you were vulnerable enough to admit that you struggled with jealousy. I think that's a really hard thing to talk about. Jealousy, greed, you know, some of these things that are really oh, hard yeah. to discuss or to say, I struggle with jealousy. Well, I think that's why it's my bestseller because everyone, <laughs> every, I mean, no one wants to admit it. I mean, it was so bad. I, I would cry in the church bathroom when another mother would talk about her popular, well-dressed children mm-hmm. going to their, you know, vacation. I would cry. I mean, even comparing my house to people, my wardrobe, it was a toxic, soul-corroding mm. problem. And it got worse as I turned 40 because I thought, I've missed the life I'm supposed to live. I'm imagining fame, wealth, you know, beauty, all these things. Even picturing them as like tables, I was waiting for an invitation for a seat at this table that I was so jealous of like the marathon runner athletes or the women doing this or the women doing that. And so jealous of family, you know, to the point where I would compare like, what's, what are other people doing on New Year's Eve or for Christmas? Why aren't my children in the nutcracker? I was a terrible person. So lost. And I was, I was a believer. I knew Jesus to the point where I was like, something is wrong with me. And it's this quote, which I love, psychologist Lauren Slater. She says, I ache for something I cannot name. So I'm, I'm self-obsessed, jealous of everyone, jealous of their perfect life, constantly upset that I'm living the wrong life and that a better life is happening somewhere else. I don't know if anyone else feels that way. And I'll never forget, I was sitting in this camping chair out at Colorado. It was a hot summer day in late July, and I read Ephesians 2, which I probably read a thousand times before. But in that passage, Paul is talking about, you know, we're, we're dead in our transgressions and sins. You know, I'm just having this quiet time. And I get to Ephesians 2, 6, and Paul says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And the end of that passage talks about God has good works prepared in advance for you to do. And I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, I'm a grammar expert. I'm a professor. And I look at that passage that God raised us up and seated us with him. And Bill, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a past tense verb. In the Greek, it's past tense. I'm already seated with Jesus. And Paul was most likely writing from a Roman prison. Now, how does that connect with jealousy? It was as if the Holy Spirit said to me, you already have a seat at the greatest table with the greatest king. The seat you've been longing for, that you're so jealous about, you know, you want this perfect life. It's already true about you. Now start living like a seated person. And it was like a, it was like a lightning bolt, a revelation. And I had a picture in my mind, you know, the brain works best in images. And I love that Paul uses that 
image were seated with him. I was thinking of, you know, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. And of course, I'm Guinevere in this image in my mind. You know, I'm perfect. But um, <laughs> it just really set me free. And I, I thought, you know what? I'm fighting for the life that I've always wanted and the Holy Spirit. It, it clearly in Ephesians 2, you, you already have in Christ everything you need. And it got really beautiful because I was still struggling working this out. And um, I found a quote inside a novel where a woman was quoting the Hayden Planetarium Museum Guide, the Hayden Planetarium in New York City. And the quote just said, all seats provide equal viewing of the universe. All seats provide equal viewing of the universe. And I, and it said Hayden Planetarium Museum Guide. So I, I, there was something about this quote, and I thought, you know what, I need to understand this quote. I think it's connected to my jealousy problem. And I contacted the Hayden Planetarium because I do things like that. I called them and I said, what is the deal with this quote? Okay, I burst into tears because this is what I learned from the media director at the Hayden Planetarium. She said that when the children come on the field trips, they all rush into the planetarium. And if you've never been to a planetarium, it's like this auditorium where you look up and you see the night sky and all of the constellations and everything. You see the universe. Well, all the children rush and they fight for the seats in the very front row. And the guide has to come out and say, children, all seats provide equal viewing of the universe. No matter where you sit, you will not miss any part of the show. Isn't that just so powerful? No matter where you're sitting, you're not going to miss anything. And I thought, you know what? That's what my life with Jesus is. No, I'm with him. I'm not going to miss anything. The perfect life I want for myself, I just can entrust my life to him. He will bring about the abundant life he's chosen for me, and I don't need to keep fighting for this life. And it got even more powerful because the end of that passage when it says he has good works prepared for you to do in advance, that set me free as an achiever because I thought, oh, I need to sit at the table of high achievement. You know, maybe I'll write a book one day. Maybe I'll do this. But that passage is clear. You're seated with Christ and he's got tasks for you that you don't need to compare to the pastor or to your neighbor or to your brother. You know, it's your, that's their life that God designed for them with blessings for them. And it doesn't, it never diminishes where you are, where you're seated. So that was my journey to be set free from jealousy, just knowing I was seated with him. And I, I, I love verbs. So the whole book is about the verbs in scripture and in my, you know, that, Seated people adore Jesus. They don't focus on their appearance anymore. They access all the riches of God's kingdom, and they abide to produce the fruit God's ordained for them. So that's a life-changing book. Seated with Christ is really a game changer for me. I, I reiterate the truth of it pretty much every day because guess what? I am tempted to feel jealous pretty much every day. So you still battle that a little bit, struggle with the jealousy? Yes. Okay. Well, it's more, it's not quite as yeah. overcoming because I really felt like God healed me like a supernatural healing to know how to fight the jealousy. But like, for example, even with COVID, certain states have gotten vaccinations and certain kids are back in school and all these people are going on vacation. And, you know, here we're stuck. I'm like, God, I, I feel jealous. And I just say, you know what? I'm seated with you. You know, the plans for my life. Psalm 23 says, you lead me beside the still waters. You restore my soul. I don't need a vacation. I don't need 
to have my kids back in school for Abundant Life to be true for us. So I'm quickly able to battle the jealousy. So it comes, I battle, I move on in joy. Sometimes I think I have guests on for my listeners, but I think I have you on today for me. Tell me, do we need to talk? Do we need to do a little session? (laughs) (laughs) Just what you just said, Heather, kind of hit home with me that, um, yeah, that I I am seated and he's enough and he will lead me beside still waters and restore my soul. He will. And he has blessings unique for you that are going to be so great that you can't even imagine for yourself. That's what's so good about the Lord. And, um, you know, we think we need this stuff that that will satisfy us, but God is so good and he is abundant. He just is abundant and wants to bless right where we are. So yes, I, I, I think jealousy, it comes at me at strange times and I think it will come again. Like it came when my daughter graduated from high school because it's like all the moms are comparing prom dresses and you know, college acceptances and, and the temptation to compare your life and be jealous is so strong. And I just said, no, God, you've ordained the plan for Sarah and where she goes to college is going to be perfect for her. And I'm not going to compare with these other girls getting into other places. So, it, you know, it may come back with like grandchildren or marriage, you know, who knows, but I know how to fight it. I know how to apply Ephesians 2 and ask, how does a seated person live? And it's so freeing. I don't have to worry about any of that jealousy anymore. And then you'll find that because you're so spirit-filled, like you look at your surroundings differently. I used to complain to my husband all the time, like, why don't we have a new kitchen? Why do we need this? Why do we need that? (laughs) I mean, I was terrible. Now I walk down to my kitchen and I'm like, thank you, God, for this cozy, rustic, shall we say, kitchen. You know, thank you for, you know, you just you you find that it's like the kaleidoscope. You you see everything through abundance and thanksgiving, and the complaining goes away because you're so satisfied. So good. Say, um, we're going to take a little break here just in, in a minute, and my text line is lighting up. People want to know how to reach your blog, Heather, and it's heatherholloman.com, and you spell your last name H-O-L-L-E-M-A-N.com, heatherholloman.com. Yes. Com. Yes. And you can go to the website and you can go look at the blog and it goes back for years, doesn't it? Yes. And the early years, you'll see that I'm healing from depression. So those are very fruitful. And then you can tell as I'm, you, you can tell, you'll see the development of a person over a decade. Today, it's about, do you know, it's the one year anniversary of college's moving to remote learning. Mm. I wrote about that today because I just had a powerful moment with my students of what that felt like this time last year. Can you believe it's been a year, Bill? It's been a year. I can't. No. It's unbelievable. All right. Let me take a little break. Dr. Heather Holloman is my guest. Go to heatherholloman.com. We'll take a short break and be right back. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Hey. It's the afternoon show. 
So glad to have Dr. Heather Holloman as my guest today. She's written a whole number of books. They're all um, available at heatherholloman.com or get them on Amazon if you like. A book that she has uh, written called Scent, Living a Life That Invites Others to Jesus. And as we're talking about how do we reach out to others, especially during this incredibly unusual year, you raised some good questions, Heather, just for ice-breaking purposes. And I love questions like, what are you celebrating or what is going well for you? What a great leading question. Oh, I love that question. I, You know why I asked that question? I read a research study that said when you're like in a group setting or in a classroom or whatever, I mean, people do not learn well when they're depressed or anxious. Like the brain just shuts down. It's not a good learning environment for the brain to be sad so that you can actually increase when you increase the positive mood of someone, they're much more open to learning experiences. So a lot of times when I sense my students really down, I'll say, okay, let's go around the room, just what's going well for you. And people love it. They, they just get really, they remember that life is not terrible. <laughs> and then we all have stuff, you know, we're celebrating and it's really fun. We do that, you know, when we have people, when we're walking with neighbors or just trying to reconnect, we'll just say, I know it's a hard season, but it's, What's going well for you or what are you celebrating? And, um, of course, they're going to throw it back to you and you can say, you know, I'm celebrating this answer to prayer or I'm celebrating this breakthrough I had. And um, so it's just a real natural way to make a spiritual connection if you're someone really wanting to grow in how to talk to people about Jesus, especially your children, family members. These are easy questions to help connect. Mm -hmm. I love this question. What thought keeps going through your mind that you cannot get rid of? That's a loving, that's a really loving question. Mm. I actually consulted a trauma expert because, you know, we're with people who've suffered a lot. Um, you know, the more you're going to be with people, the more you're going to encounter suffering. And, and in COVID, you know, either we know people who are sick or people who lost family members. And the, the trauma expert said, when you're with people who are suffering in any way, so if they're grieving, if they're sick, if some, if they've just received bad news, you know, you don't want to um, sit there and give advice or do all these things. She just said, just sit with them and say, I'm here. You know, what thought keeps going through your mind that you can't get rid of? And she told me that that's a really loving question because most people, when they're in distress, there's a thought they can't get rid of. There's a fear there's an anxiety, and just by inviting them to articulate it to you, you're helping them heal. You're helping them get it out of their head. They're going to feel so loved. You don't have to make any commentary on it. You know, they can just say, oh, I'm, you know, here, you say they got a COVID diagnosis or, or what's something, you know, relevant, or maybe they've had a lot of financial stress and all they can think about is they can't pay the bills. The other reason I like that question is you can really find out what is a way you can best serve you know, your neighbors. Um, you know, we, I, I asked my neighbor who was getting ready to have a baby. I just said, you know, this is a stressful time for you. I know you have another one at home. Do you have a thought that keeps going through your mind you can't get rid of? And, mm. you know, she basically was like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to do it all. And my husband set up a neighborhood meal train for her where she, four weeks later, she's still getting dinners delivered every night wow. because people just want to trust her. So you can find out what people need. That's, just That's actually not my favorite question, though. Do you want to hear my absolute favorite question? This can save someone's marriage today. Do you, do you want to hear it? This yeah, I sure do. Question. Yeah, bring it on. 
My favorite question is for, you know, spouses, children, friends, strangers, you can just say, I really want to get to know you more. What question do you wish people would ask you about your life? And why that's so good in marriage, you know, say you've been married 20 years like I have, you can change a little bit and say, you know, what is something that you just care most about right now that you that you'd wish I'd ask you about? Because maybe your spouse really doesn't want you to ask about this or that. There is something on their mind. And I love it because with students, it's the quickest way to get to know someone because the first time I used this question in a classroom, I said, okay, I I just want to get to know you guys. Um, what question do you, do you wish I'd ask you about your life? And students would say things that there would be no way I'd ever know. Like a student would say, well, I do have a mom at home. She's battling cancer, going through Mm. chemotherapy, but nobody knows, nobody knows to ask me about it. But, you know, and my husband and I love this question so much that we use it. We used to use it all the time when we're placed, if we're at like an event where you're placed at a table with strangers, like a wedding or something like that. We went. We were, we were at this wedding party. This was right before COVID, and we didn't know anyone. And Ash said, my husband Ash, he said, "Okay, why don't we introduce ourselves?" But you know, we're going to be together the whole evening. So, what kind of questions do you wish people would ask you? Well, the first woman said, "You know, she introduced herself. She goes, you know what? I grew up on a dairy farm, and I really wish everyone would ask me about dairy farming." <laughs> okay, how, Bill? How would we have known that that's what she wanted to talk about? Yeah, no way. You know, no way. And the next guy talked about his home gym and the next guy talked about, I don't even remember some woodworking thing. And, you know, my own husband, when it was his turn, he said, I really like people asking me about what I'm dreaming about. And Mm -hmm. I was like, you mean your actual dreams? He's like, no, my like dreams, my vision for my life. You didn't tell me that. (laughs) I'm not asked about your dreams. So if you if you want a really good question, and I use this with the neighbor, we've been out of touch for a couple of weeks, and I said, look, I haven't we haven't connected in a couple of weeks. What is going on with you? I don't even know what to ask. What what are you secretly hoping I'll ask you about? And she was able to tell me it was about a seminar she was working on with work, and I had no idea she was even working on it. So I love that, and of course they're going to throw it back to you, and so be prepared because sometimes people will say what do you wish I would ask you about? And as you know, I love talking about Jesus. I love talking about how powerful his word is. So it always leads to some kind of spiritual or even a gospel presentation, because wherever I am, people will ask me, they'll say, well, what do you mean? What, give, me, give us an example of a passage of scripture that, that you want us to ask you about, and I'll tell them something I'm reading in God's word, and that always leads to an amazing conversation. Mm, no kidding. It's a great, uh, great question. Another one I like is, what are you doing to take care of yourself during COVID? Yes, it's good. It's, that, it's just great. Yeah, because everyone has to figure out how they're going to do their diet and their exercise and not spend too much time watching TV and doing all that kind of stuff. And even if it's just getting up and going out for a walk, getting outside, uh, so there's a there's some great conversation you can have with how are you taking care of yourself and of course that can also lead into have you read any good books have you decided to uh, um, look into your own spiritual life have you been praying more I mean these are all really easy questions to ask oh that's good yeah well this is what happened to me last two weeks ago I was talking on the phone with a professor so this is this is a <laughs> 
<laughs> you're going to just be careful is what I'm saying. I asked her, I said, you know, how are you taking care of yourself? And it's exactly what you said. She's like, I've been eating too much. <laughs> I haven't been to the gym. You know, I've gained all this weight. And then this is what she said. She goes, Heather, I know you care about me. How about this? We'll text each other every time we go for a workout. And then I want you to text me if you've hydrated and if you've had enough fruits and vegetables. So can you be my accountability partner? And I was like, oh, what have I gotten myself into? Now I got to lift weights every day. But um, it, that is a good question because, you know, my husband and I talk a lot about these kind of six dimensions of being human. And the physical is a huge part. It's who, you know, we're, God made us physical creatures. People actually want to talk about their bodies. Like, how are you doing? Or does anything hurt? Is there anything oh, I can help yeah. you with? I mean, we people don't mind talking about how they're doing physically, and it's a blessing to them. Um, you know, and speaking of the six dimensions, another thing, Ash and I, because we do a lot of training with graduate students and faculty who really want to grow in the art of conversation, because sometimes it's just not natural. And, um, you know, we realize we're volitional, and I know that's weird, you know, super ac academic, but God made us with the ability to make choices. We're volitional people. And sometimes when people are talking to you and they're talking about a bad situation, we learned that you can ask this really loving question related to being volitional. And the question is, that sounds really hard. What choices do you have? Now, that is an awesome question because it helps people get outside of their pain and they can think, okay, I can actually do this. I can actually do this. If you're talking to someone and they're in a hard situation and you say, what choices do you have? And they tell you, I'm stuck. I have no choices. Then you can enter in and think, where can I help you here, here, and here? So, and it's not always that you're there as like a savior or, or to always be in these therapeutic conversations, but you'll find that your relationships are going to become very warm and intimate. And if you've read the Harvard Grant study, which is the longest research study ever conducted, it's a 75-year-old research study that's still continuing. It asks the question, what is the single most determining factor of a happy life? And the answer is warm relationships. Hmm. People who have warm relationships are far happier and have better health and well-being. It's not about wealth. It's not about anything else. And I thought, well, if that's true, we got to train people how to get to warm connections. And it starts with conversation. Say more about that, Heather, because that's, that's, uh, that's gold right there, the warm relationships. Yes. And well, we're, well, I'm fascinated by this just as a researcher. I've been studying the epidemic of loneliness on college campuses and mm -hmm. researching interventions for loneliness. And also um, I realize as a natural evangelist, I kind of, love convert. You know, I'm always thinking about how to improve conversations because I care deeply about helping people talk about their spiritual lives. And so as I'm researching, I realize that people are lonely and they don't feel connected to people. So I said to my students, I said, do you guys go out on dates or, you know, hang out? And have you ever had the experience where you're asking all the questions and no one's asking you one question? And they all nodded their head. They said, nobody asks us anything about our lives. You know, wow. we text, we share memes, but nobody's asking me about my life. And so I went home that day and I asked my teenager, she's at school with, I think her, there's got to be 2,000 kids at this school. It's a huge state high school. And I said, Kate, how many people asked you about yourself in the last week? And she was like, 
no one? And I said, no one. No one asked you one personal question. This is why these kids are so lonely. So we train our daughters in the art of what's called interpersonal curiosity, which means you learn to be curious about other people. And it's both rooted in, in obviously, psychology, but I'm more interested that it's actually deeply biblical to be curious about other people. It's a way of honoring other people above yourself. That's Romans 10. Think about Philippians 2, valuing other people, taking an interest in other people. How do you take an interest in other people if you don't know what they care about or who they are? So I look at passages of Scripture that seem to indicate that we need to care deeply and be very curious about other people. But on the psychology side, I was interested because Todd Cashin at George Mason right now, who I think is the lead researcher on interpersonal curiosity, he said that it's really the secret sauce of warm relationships and people who are curious have better marriages. They have better mental health. They are happy because and, and he does all the brain research. He researches thousands of people, and he tries to teach people, you know, this is what it looks like to be curious about other people. So I teach my students. I teach my children. And, and I position myself whenever I'm with someone. I'm like, God, I want to honor this person. I want to believe that, that there's a reason why you brought them to my life. Can I bless them by asking a good question about them? And people like to talk about themselves. I mean, even people who struggle with being close to others, or maybe they're really introverted, they do want you to ask about them. They, they just won't admit it. <laughs> you know, my husband's an introvert. He loves it when people draw him out with good questions. Mm-hmm. That's so, so true. I've sent out a number of kind of random text messages to friends in the last week. And it's been interesting, Heather, because the response from all of them ha- has been, wow, you don't know how much I needed this. Just one of those things out of the blue. It's like, I'm just texting just a hi, how are you? I haven't talked to you in a while. And it's almost like it it was some poignant moment in their day. Oh, you know what? Everyone's so lonely and disconnected. Yes, Yes, I love that you did that. Yeah, yeah. Let me take a break. Uh, Dr. Heather Holloman is my guest. You can go to heatherholloman.com, H-O-L-L-E-M-A-N, heatherholloman.com. Her blog is there. It's wonderful. And also all of her books are there. We'll take a little break and be right back. Dr. Heather Holloman. She is a professor at Penn State, and she's a blogger and an author and an all-around amazing person. So I want to keep talking about some of these questions that we can use to connect to other people, because these are such great questions. Uh, What's your biggest stressor during COVID? What are you celebrating or what's going well for you? What question do you currently like people to ask you? That's a great question, too. What thought keeps going through your mind that you cannot get rid of? I bet that's going to cause people to scratch their head and then bring out some amazing stuff. And how are you taking care of yourself during COVID? Here's another good question. I'd like you to respond to this one, Heather. How are you staying motivated? 
is the hardest question. I've had to speak on motivation before because you know what? People are burnt out. Their motivation is really low. I don't know if you have felt this, Bill, or your listeners, but you thought, oh, I'll accomplish so much. I'm just staying at home. You know, I'll work out. I'll get all these (laughs) projects done. But really, people are just really unmotivated. It it might be a combination of a hopeless feeling or uncertainty. They're uncertain about the future, which is a huge drain on the mind. Living in a state of uncertainty exhausts us. And so most people are just kind of getting through the day. And so, you know, when you say, how are you staying motivated? People will say, I'm not motivated. I just don't even know what's motivating me. I, this is a terrible time. And they'll say, you know, what's motivating you? And it's a deep, it'll, you'll get into some deep conversations about purpose, about your philosophy of work, why you do what you do. I've been able to share, and it's weird, it's a weird transition, but I think people appreciate it. I've been able to say that I had a steam burst for COVID. And it was from Zechariah 4, which, you know, nobody reads Zechariah, who reads it. But it's this beautiful line where, where this person has a ton of work to do. But the, the, the message from the Lord is not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And I say to people, I am overwhelmed every single day in COVID. I've got too much to do. I've, I've had to do virtual instruction. I have all these ministry opportunities. I've got a teen daughter at home, blah, blah, blah. And I say, I, I just look at the number of times in Scripture, God says, do not trust in, the, in your strength. You know, in the Psalms, he'll say, you know, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of our God. And I say to people, I have had to depend on the Holy Spirit. And I know that sounds weird to you, but, you know, as a Christian, I need to know that I can't do this in my own strength. I have had to depend upon God to get through the day. And again, it goes back to what we talked about with Ephesians 2. You know, what are the good works prepared for me to do? If I'm tired, if I, if I just have no motivation to work, I remember God's Spirit is at work in me to produce the fruit God's ordained for my life. And I just say, okay, I have no power. Please, God, you know, animate me today. Help me do the things you're calling me to do. So it's it's a good introduction to the spirit-filled life when I talk about motivation. The other thing is um, you can just talk about yourself honestly, like I thought I'd accomplish more, and I haven't. And so how do I deal with that? How do I deal with not being an accomplished person? And I say, I'm really thankful I'm seated with Christ. I'm already at the table with the high achievers, you know, <laughs> at the best table. So that conversation leads to any kind of, you know, sharing. Of course, you do have to be vulnerable. That's, you know, I wrote my dissertation on the emotion of shame at the University of Michigan. I think we've talked about that before. We but have. The one, yeah, the one thing I've learned is don't worry if you come off as a failure or if you embarrass yourself, because guess what? If you embarrass yourself, you're just opening the door to intimacy. People love an honest person, and and your greatest gift to the world is your authentic kind of like failure of a self. That, That has created so much joy and intimacy just by saying, this is exactly who I am. You know, I accomplished nothing. This is, you know, I thought I'd do this. Just be honest with people about failure, about how you're really feeling and God will really enter into that space because it's so vulnerable. And then again, that's going to lead to a warm feeling. That's what the Harvard researchers call it a warm relationship. I've tried to define that and see how other 
people are defining warm relationship, but what they mean is you feel close. You feel like you've shared your heart with someone and they feel like they've shared their heart. And then you feel bonded to them and that lonely feeling begins to go away and you just feel connected and it's a wonderful thing. It's so it's great. So I don't really have a better answer other than I need God more than ever before because motivation is so low. And I have to wake up tomorrow and work a full day. Don't you, Bill? No, I do. You've got to wake up and work. Yeah. Yes. I, I, love this, I love this comment, Heather, you said about living an authentic life. Now, I'm going to say this as gently as I know how. Aren't we, in a way, trained to present almost an imposter, an imposter to the world when we like, go to church and, how are you doing? Hey, I'm great. How are you? You know, we always yeah. have to be great, right? Well, yes, and social media makes it terrible. Like, my girls really don't use social media. You'll see that I don't post a lot. If I do, it's because I feel bad that my publisher probably thinks I'm not promoting myself enough. <laughs> but it's really a false self. You, what happens is is you become an entity. I know. I Sometimes I'm so academic, Bill. I'm so glad That's you're okay. so patient with me. An entity means that you're not really a real person. You're presenting yourself as a product for people to look at and evaluate and comment on. And it's not real. So even when they're looking at you commenting on a Facebook post, you, you're not there. It's not you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's weird. It's, it's stressful. And the temptation is you're curating your day, you know, with these great pictures, these great moments. And so it just, um, they call it aspirational photos, like how you want life to be. Mm-hmm. The problem is that it's really not that way. So, yeah, I feel like one of the things um, that God's been teaching me my whole life is just be yourself. Don't be afraid of failure. Like, I'll never forget, I was speaking at a national staff conference for crew, and I was talking about being seated with Christ. And I mentioned to the women that I had been in Weight Watchers because I was struggling with my weight and I wanted to lose 30 pounds. And I was, it was just an offhand comment about being in Weight Watchers. Well, a group of women came up afterwards and they said, I can't believe you shared that. Aren't you so embarrassed? Aren't you so embarrassed that you can't get a hold of your weight problems? And I was like, I'm not embarrassed. Are you embarrassed? Like, why would, why would anyone be embarrassed? You know, just, do you know what I mean? Do you ever feel totally. like people, like you say stuff and people are afraid, like, and that's the way, you know, Satan loves to keep things in the dark. I mean, with the, when you bring things in the light, you know, sin issues, people who are listening who, you know, you know who you are. You're struggling with something you don't want to tell anyone. But as soon as you bring it into the light, you're going to find warm relationships and intimacy that, you know, in discipleship with women, they're always afraid to tell me if they know they're doing something that doesn't please the Lord. And I always have to say, look, I can guarantee you I've probably done it or thought about doing it. So (laughs) you're not going to shock me. You know, you're not going to shock me. And they will share this, you know, thing that they think is so shameful and to just embrace them. It's it's the classic woman at the well story. I mean, Mm -hmm. what people forget about John four is when she goes back to her village. Do you remember what she says about Jesus? Do you remember what she says? Come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Wow. Do you know what that means? No one sees that as a shame moment. He told me everything I ever did and loved me. That's not written in the Greek, Mm -hmm. but that's what she implies. He saw that I had all these husbands. So I actually use that passage in my dissertation as a model for, you you know, go ahead, expose the dark thing that you think you can't tell anyone. And what's going to happen is 
when they, when, if someone does that for you and you express love and acceptance and care for them, it's going to create so much freedom for them. And then also you're going to have a warm, again, a warm relationship because nobody's posturing, nobody's being fake about their lives. It's hard to do though. I have to work at it. You have to work at being who you are. I think, don't you think? Totally. Yeah. Heather, such a delight. We're out of time and I'm, I'm sorry to say that we, uh, don't have any more, <laughs> but I well, just love hey, this anytime. hour. I'll come back anytime. You're okay. so fun. I just, You're I just so have really this. Good at conversation. Thanks, Heather. I've just had this on tape now. You saying you'll come back anytime. So I've already contacted my attorneys and I'll have you back. Yes. Yes. Well, maybe I might write a whole book on how to have better conversations. Be nice. so that will be really fun. That'd be cool. Yes. Thank you so That'd much. Be fun. All right. All right. Dr. Heather Holloman has been my guest. You can go to heatherholloman.com. Learn more about Heather. Read her blog. Thanks for being with me today. I've had a wonderful time. And thanks to all my guests. And thanks to Heather Holloman for making this last hour so amazingly, incredibly delightful. Have a great night, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.